Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 281. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Yep, I, I survived Thanksgiving. I ate way too much, but I am here. Yes, I had no Thanksgiving, but I did eat a lot of Chinese food on Thanksgiving Day. So uh, that's the spirit. We'll count it. Uh, I also went to the movie theater for the first time in over a year on Thanksgiving Ooh. Day. So, uh, and um, I I don't need your thoughts on the movie, but what was your thoughts on returning to the theater? Um, that was that was okay. Uh, honestly, okay. the 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 only thing that upset me is that. Uh, the lights didn't go off when the movie started, so I had to get up and uh, tell them <laughs> that the lights were stayed uh, on. So that was annoying, but other than that... Gotcha, yeah. Did, was, was your audience good? Because I remember the first movie I went to see in the theaters was Kong vs. Godzilla, mm-hmm. and people forgot how to sit in movie theaters, and it was not a good time. Um, since then, uh, it's been more or less good, but, you know, well, that first one back, though. It was me in the middle of the theater, and then there was two middle-aged ladies uh, up near the back, and oh. I didn't hear much from them, so it was okay. pleasant enough. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that, isn't that the best? That's When I went saw Last Night in Soho, it was just me and then an older couple in the very, very back, and it was like we had our own private screening, and mm. that's just the best. I mean, for some movies, like more horror stuff or big-budget action-y, you kind of want the crowd reactions, but... I don't know. Like, I saw the Raid Redemption in the theater by myself, and it was great. Sure. Uh, I think horror works with no people, though, because it's more intimate and, like, creepy. Like, Yeah, but I like, I like hearing the reactions on certain ones, mm. you know? Especially if the movie's not good, you know? Uh, <laughs> I remember one one of the Annabelle movies, uh, a guy next to me was, was jumping at every scare, and it was way more entertaining. What was going on on the screen? I'd rather hope the movie's going to be good, though. I mean, I don't want to go in with a defeatist oh, attitude. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I go in every movie hoping it's going yeah. to be good. Um, except for uh, the second Independence Day, which you forced me to see for our old podcast. <laughs> and I remember falling asleep in the theater. Uh, that movie was pretty dull. Wasn't it? Yeah, I remember, like, it ended up, like uh, waking myself up from snoring. And I was like, oh, man, what the hell? I missed 20 minutes. Yes. But uh, if you do want my thoughts on the movie I saw, I did do a review of Ghostbusters Afterlife on Mail Fuzz Movies if you want to go check it out. Uh, the, the short review is 6 out of 10. It's decent enough, but is nostalgia porn and why can't we make movies that are just movies anymore instead of being movies about loving older movies because that's all that seems to get made in Hollywood now. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I mostly agree. Uh, I, I think I liked it more than you did. However, just we didn't need the, the, the baby puffs. Like, get that, that out oh, of there. That entire they, scene. Like, I hated it. That entire Walmart scene yeah. where it's just product placement after product yeah. placement. And here, remember State Puff Marshmallow Man? Yeah. Which this. makes no sense in the scope of the movie because if you know your Ghostbusters, that came from Ray. Like, you know, from the end of the movie. So, like, again, there's no connection. And then what Walmart listeners, if you've ever been to a Walmart that has a, has a Roomba rolling around, I never have. So I was just like, why? Well, here's a question. Do they sell Roombas and did the Puff Marshmallow Man just steal a Roomba off the shelf and turn it on? So they do, but it made it seem like the ones they sell aren't operational out the box like that. You know what I mean? Like that one seemed like it was going about it. I mean, I don't want to defend it, right? I'm just, I'm I'm just disputing the potentialness of the Roomba existing. (laughs) 
<laughs> that scene was the biggest problem I had with the movie. The rest of it, I, I enjoyed a whole lot. It felt like a warm hug. So, um, here's the thing, Matt. Yeah. Ghostbusters is not supposed to feel like a warm hug. It's supposed to be cynical and characters who are greedy yeah. parasites and they just happen to accidentally end up saving the world. That's the funny part of Ghostbusters, damn it. That's what makes them amazing. As, a, as an Egon guy, I disagree. Bill Murray is a greedy yeah. piece of shit in that first movie. Yeah. Right? That's what makes it so great. <laughs> All right. No, 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 let's go, Spencer Talk. Um, but... Oh, my God. I, do you know what? I, I, this, is, this is Star Wars The Force Awakens' fault. This nostalgia comeback it sequel is? thing. Uh, it is? And it's. it's this is it's all it's it fault. Is, and I, and, I, and I, I'm a little bit worried about Indiana Jones, but I trusted me. <laughs> so, as long as the time travel stuff isn't true, we'll be good because I don't need time travel in Indy. Period. Mm. Uh, but I, I trust in Mangold. So, yeah. Remember, remember that moment that the guy was doing all the sword work and Indy just shot him. Yeah, I bet, I bet you're going to get reminded to, of that. To be fair, that was Temple of Doom as well, which doesn't make any sense given that it's a prequel. No, no, but so, you know. but there's, there's not a problem with doing one moment like that. But I guarantee you that'll be one in a sea of moments that actually directly pull on the original, or at least the original trilogy as a whole. Like yeah. it's going to happen. Like I, I am dreading the death of Robert Zemeckis because I know they're going to do Back to the Future, and it's going to upset me. I hope he has a really good lawyer that can stop that. Because. You know, <laughs> We don't as much as as much as I did enjoy seeing the DeLorean on the screen in Ready Player One, notwithstanding that movie, it was cool because I'd never seen that movie on the big screen. Therefore, I've never seen a DeLorean on the big screen. I don't need it. I actually have seen Back to the Future on the big screen, funnily enough. But yeah, uh, uh, oh yeah, screw Ready Player One as well. Yeah, that's that book. I will fight anybody that tells me that book is good. That book is not good. It is. It is a showcase of what i hate in fandom what um what's funny matt is that we actually both watched the same movie this week uh yeah. randomly we both yeah. watched promising young women yeah i feel like i feel like you had a, an alert going and it's like oh matt watched a movie i haven't seen now i must watch movie you uh, can't have one up on me it's been it's been on my to-do list for a while I know. and uh i i i finally and i because I, I watched moonlight this week as well and i i, I you know, I do a lot of horror movies for the Screams After Midnight podcast. I do a lot of sci-fi for the Atomic Cinema Experiment. And when I watch mm-hmm. movies on the watch party on stream, we're doing Hitchcock movies just now, so we're doing good movies just now. But yes. usually it's trash. Usually it's goofy yeah. stuff or whatever. Uh, so the actual, like, oh, I'm going to try and watch some good movies has just mm-hmm. been sliding for a bit. So yeah. I'm making an effort. Uh, Moonlight was really good. Uh, Promising a Woman was I- also really good. Uh, I forgot Moonlight, and I was gonna ask which werewolf movie that is. <laughs> and then, I, then you said a good movie. I went, "Oh no, that's that's the one that won the Oscar." Yes, uh, yes, yes. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, no. but uh, yes, uh, promising young woman, much better than Ghostbusters Afterlife. I'll just uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, they're completely different movies. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Uh, much better. Yeah. Much it, uh, it, it achieves much better what it's setting out to do than Ghostbusters Afterlife. Achieves have you seen doing. Love and Monsters? I have not seen Love and Monsters, no. I recommend Love and Monsters, uh, especially if you enjoyed Spontaneous and The Babysitter, because uh, it's the same writer. I do uh, enjoy both of those films, so that's... Those, uh... The heart of those movies goes into this post-apocalyptic journey um, with a love story in it, and it's I was very surprised. Like I'm surprised mm. I didn't watch it sooner. So 
Yeah. Also, I died a little bit inside when I saw trailers at the theater because they showed me the Uncharted trailer and I wanted to vomit all over the theater. Oh, so. no. I, I've yet to see that. So, uh, not you vomit, the Uncharted trailer. <laughs> which I've yet to see that too. But, yeah. One day, Matt. I'll, I'll vomit for you. And you no, can, thank you. You can get the full... Uh, this is a okay. DC Comics podcast, everyone. Welcome to the show. We talk about DC Comics every week. What we've read. Uh, coming up on this week's show, we have Detective Comics one thousand forty five, The Flash seven seven six, Checkmate issue six. At least Matt checked that out anyway. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, Robin issue eight, Catwoman thirty seven, Task Force Z issue two. Matt also checked out Deathstroke Inc. issue 3, mm-hmm. DC vs. Vampires issue 2, and I have a Patreon book. I'll be talking about American Vampire Survival of the Fittest issue 4. So that's what's coming up on the show this week. Mm-hmm. But before we get to the books, there's always time for everyone's favourite segment. Pie. It's not pie. Yeah. There's always time for pie. I mean, yeah. I mean, we all, we always. I mean, I always love a good bit of three point one four. Don't get me wrong, but. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, we're here for the comicsology top ten at the time of recording, and uh, it's a little bit of an infested top ten this week because there's a massive Hawkeye sale on because of the TV show starting, <laughs> and the first volume of uh, the Fraction Azure run is a dollar. So. I, you know, I won't spoil it. It's number one. Okay, I'll just say it. It's number yeah. one. <laughs> and and if you haven't read that, go go get it for a dollar and read it, and you know your day will be made better. Yeah, and then the rest of the volumes are all uh, two or three dollars each. So uh, e- easy enough to jump into that that whole run because it's like I don't know five volumes, four volumes, something like that. Yeah. But, uh, I think it's four. Yeah. So so you can get the whole thing for under ten dollars if you want to go and read the whole the whole shebang. Uh, and Haley Steinfeld is very good in that show, which uh, is otherwise just kind of there. Uh, I, I I like for what it's setting up because it's doing things that's not from the book. I always like when they adapt. Like Marvel's pretty good at this when they adapt a story but not beat for beat. So like Civil War, right? The the story points are there. Now where the Avengers are at odds with one another, but they change how they do it in the book. So with Hawkeye through these first two, I like how they're telling the Kate and Clint story. But it's just twisted, so I can still have some surprises. Like mm. the the tease for the big boss of the tracksuit mafia, completely different from the book. And yeah, and that character up, already has for. a spinoff TV show announced. Yeah, which makes me so uninterested because it's like, oh well, we can only earn certain ways with that character now because we have to care about a spinoff later. Uh, it's, 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 do I, do I, I don't know about that because that character is a great Matt, character more, more and yeah. more with Marvel things I'm feeling that the plot in each thing is obligatory mm-hmm. the plot in each thing is not important it's the, it merely exists because a movie or a TV show is supposed to have a plot but the, really, <laughs> but the movie just exists to have the characters be there so they can be in other things later and to tease future things well, that's, that's the main thing they're doing normally the, I would fight you on that A that I, I feel like um, Hawkeye is kind of standing on its own so far through these two. Okay. Uh, however, seeing what they were talking about with the next Captain America, basically undoing anything they did on the Captain Winter Soldier show about Sam having to earn the title, I was like, that, that was the whole point of that messy show, right? That That's the biggest part that I got out of it. 
And now they're just going to kind of treat it like, oh no, the movies are, are a canon. And I just... I thought the whole point yeah. of this Disney Plus show, Bollocks, was that the, these yeah. shows were equal to the movies. That's what they started with, but I just feel like there's no communication. And I'm mad at Disney as a company, anyways, at least through the theme park side. Um, so yeah, it, it's just not, you know. Yeah. So... Yeah. Cool. Yeah. What's what's the top ten now? <laughs> I just wanted to, I wanted to run in your presence about Hawkeye because I, I want to corrupt your positivity as best I can. Oh no, I'm still going to be positive because I'm very positive for again. I don't want, no spoilers. The the leader of the tracksuit mafia, what that character represents and what it might lead to has me very excited. If that's the direction that they're going, if not, okay. cool. We get another cool street level character. So, okay. you know. Um. All right. Yeah. So top ten. So number one is Hawkeye Volume One. Uh, yeah. Number two is X Men Issue Five. Okay. Uh, number three is Hawkeye Volume Two. Uh, number four is Hawkeye Volume Three. Uh, number five is Once in Future Volume Three. So I guess wow. that's yeah. That, that's really that, that, that's dirt cheap as well. Actually, so I guess they're having a sale on those. Uh, Hawkeye Volume Four is number six. Then Once in Future Volume Two is number. Six. This is a really weird top ten. Uh, obviously, yeah. Obviously, I'm going to keep going and actually get to the single issues because they're the more interesting thing to talk about. Uh, so finally, number eight here we get a single issue: Amazing Spider-Man issue seventy-nine. Yeah. Um, and then Once in Future Volume One, which is a dollar, much like Volume One of Hawkeye. Uh, so that's number nine. Number ten, our first DC book. Now, admittedly, if you're only counting single issues, it's really only, like, number three. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, Detective Comics 1045 uh, been my guess. gets in there at number 10. Uh, so just, I'm going to keep going a little bit here just because I want to actually get to the DC books that are out mm-hmm. this week, other than Detective Comics. Uh, so Eleven's Critical Role uh, comic issue two. And then A Dune Trade is number 12. And then Slaughterhouse 5 graphic novel is number 13. Mm-hmm. And then we get to Thor issue 19. Uh, Hawkeye Volume 1, this is the Kate Bishop Volume 1, which is a dollar, uh, so also go check out that, because that's very good, uh, by Kelly Thompson. Um, so yeah, a lot of stuff on sale, uh, but, uh, we do eventually get, uh, the new Hulk book, uh, is mm-hmm. there, and then we finally get to Robin, and we get to Wolverine, The Flash, Superman 78, so really, really weird list yeah. this week. Like you said, it was infested with these sale books. Um, yeah. Wasn't expecting all the ones in future, which is good. That's a good book. So uh, let's see the sales on that go. Oh yeah, I'm, but... sure, I'm, I'm sure you know somewhere out there uh, a ginger popped a boner at hearing that. <laughs> now his more his sounds more sad. He goes. <laughs> <laughs> Did we just canonize the sound of Connor getting an erection as? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's a Don uh, Donny Cates Hulk book. <laughs> Shoot. Interesting. Interesting. I don't think I've fallen in love with that that Donny Case has done yet, admittedly. No, but oh. I know he does monsters and stuff well, because mm. I remember, you know, his Venom was pretty good, not enough to keep me going. I read the first arc, and I was like, this, this is fine, but he does monsters really well. So you think he'd fit in with uh, yeah. with Hulk. His, and in fact, his Thor, I gotta stop pulling that Thor book. My shop's gonna hate me, because mm-hmm. I have not read an issue since 4. We're on 19. Oof. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have them. I have up till I think twelve. Does the wife know it. about this discrepancy? Uh, she does. But since I don't, you know, buy them uh, every every time they come out, they just sit in my 
my uh, pull box, and then eventually I get yelled at. So. <laughs> Uh, by the shop. Oh, so, that, <laughs> so what you mean is eventually you're going to have to go in and buy like 15 issues of Thor in one go. <laughs> what you do is, is you do one at a time or two ah, at a time. So when I have a, a smaller physical week, I pick that up there. Uh, so, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, all right, well, there you go. That's your comicsology top 10. It was a really wonky one, but uh, mm-hmm. it is what it is. Um, oh, well, some Immortal Hulk. Uh, volumes are on sale as well, which is nice. Um, so cool. We will get on to comics then. Uh, mm-hmm. So, Detective Comics 1045. This is Mariko Tamaki and Dan Mora. It is the final part of the Fear State tie-in arc. Yeah. Uh, which largely revolves around the idea that Nakano is going to at least start kind of trusting batman or at least accept that batman's presence is required and man so i wish i was reading tech before because it feels like that's where this nakano story comes from right Mm. about the partner and that's why he doesn't trust batman um because he feels batman's responsible for the death of his partner and i like that i just feel like it's kind of gotten lost in all of the uh, crossover aspects of gotham right you know, from Joker War to Fear State. Um, so I do like that's what Tamaki kind of focuses on with the relationship with Nakano and Batman here. And that there is a trust because he saved Batman saved Nakano and then towards the end here Nakano gets to save Batman. Um and it, I just feel like it's a not a buddy cop situation exactly, but there they are have a tenuous relationship going forward now like that. Yeah, it's a bit too imbalanced to be buddy cop, but it's yeah. it's um, I th- I think it's a nice sweet sentiment to kind of end this sub story on because it mm-hmm. it feels like Batman's relationship with Nakano has been more of a focus of detective, even though obviously it's been a factor in Batman as well. Mm-hmm. So having that kind of be what this this tie in gets to wrap up, uh, it feels like it's still true to its own series as much as it is. If anything, it's more true to its own series than a, than a tie in. Um, yeah. If I at one point uh, there's a caption that says this story takes place around Batman one thirteen, which was not yep. that was like three or four issues ago, so they're making it clear mm-hmm. all of this took place early on in Fear State. This is not, right. you know, uh, concurrent. So, uh, and you know, it pulls in the uh, the Bat family a little bit. Uh, they they you know cast Dick and uh, Babs is on the comms. I will say there's one panel of Babs where they're, they're doing the whole like, the green glow of the computer screen on her, but she just looks like Poison Ivy because it's so strong. <laughs> I didn't hate it. I'm going to be real. But, you know, it's, it's fine to kind of, you know, pull them into it a little bit. It, basically, these parasites, the eggs are hatching all over the city and starting to grab people on their bikes. And... Yeah, the, the guy on the bike, I feel so bad. He got over uh, overwhelmed by a wave of uh, vile larva. Ugh. Yeah, and you know, it's like there's walls of it in the tunnels, and mm-hmm. uh, they're having to break out. And Nakano's demand to know what Batman knows about, and Batman's actually pretty honest. He was infected yeah. before, and that's why he knows. Uh, he tells him about Hugh Vile. He tells him about all these things, and uh, Batwoman's up doing stuff as well. But basically, they get up into the city, and it's, it's basically the, the 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 Times Square, if you will, of Gotham that they're in mm-hmm. uh, when they come up through the sewers. And it's all very chaotic. The the monster and the the monsters kind of form one big monster here, and Batman's mm-hmm. kind of getting trued up a little bit, and he's trying to like fight them off. And this is where you know the Cano gets to 
well, this tries to save him. It doesn't work, though. He, he pulls out a taser thinking, oh, he electrocuted the parasite off of me, so I will taser this big monster. Yep. Oh, shit, it barely felt anything because it needs a giant shock. Which, he needs more ants, as Nightwing tells him. Yeah, because Nightwing shows up, he's he's stolen one of their one of the magistrates' like flying little orbs and starts mm-hmm. blasting it with electricity, uh, which kind of saves the day. And... um. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it was a great, there's a great full page spread actually of Batman, uh, just in the city sky at night, mm-hmm. uh, with the, it's like the setting sun behind him, I think. Um, yeah. but yeah, the end of the story is just Nakano is talking to whoever he's trying to figure out, you know, the, you know, because now he knows the magistrates like kind of played against them and what they've been up to, right, and basically just says we need to start making a, a better list of, of monsters to go after because what he's learned with this trip with Batman is that there's monsters in the city that he hadn't... Con- you know, he just... He kind of put everything on Batman and mass vigilantes and he didn't really realise that there was so much other stuff going on in Gotham and Batman kind mm-hmm. of explains, look, there's basically something going on in Gotham all the time, right? Uh, it's, it's it's difficult to keep it on top of it. So it, it feels like we've got a... And a cano that's uh, a bit more accepting. He even says at one point he's that the office. He doesn't say who it is, but he says you know they've got an associate that he's corresponding mm-hmm. with or something like that, um, which establishes that no, nah, like Batman could probably give him some info now and maybe get info yeah. in exchange for certain things, which uh, I like because we've always had it just with Gordon, right? And sometimes Gordon and the mayor at odds with Batman, but I like that it's Nakano here going like. All right, well, we can't be everywhere at once, so it's kind of nice that Batman has his people, too, and you just got to kind of trust that he does have Gotham in in his heart. You know what I mean? Like, he's not going to screw Nakano over just because Nakano doesn't like him. Um, yeah. Because it, it's for the greater good. And I, I just I feel like Tamaki really nailed that uh, sentiment there towards the end. Yeah, I think it's probably the best end that I could have asked for out of this little mm-hmm. tie-in arc and... Uh, we do have at least the big 10-week story. I think we've got a couple of... Yep. We've got an issue or two before that, but then we have the big 10-week story. Well, it kicks off next week in the uh, detective... Um, in the detective annual, because they double-checked. It doesn't start off weekly next week, though. No, no, but that story starts next week. Sure, yeah, but it doesn't uh, go weekly yeah. until, like, January, no. though. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, so we'll have one issue in December, and then it'll start properly in January. Well, yes, it doesn't start. It says prelude to Shadow of the Bat because I just I read the, you know, because I so, want to yeah. see what, so, what we're so, next so week. it's so it's building yeah. up like the next issue mm-hmm. of Detective probably is as well. Yeah. Uh, so I I just what what I was getting to though is I wonder if we're going to play with Batman's new kind of relationship with Nakano yeah. being a factor in the rest of this run because given that it's something that Tamaki's went out of her way to set up, it feels like mm-hmm. the sort of thing we probably will use yeah. as, a, as a as a narrative tool so uh neat neat mm-hmm. uh enjoyable issue um yeah. back up as well uh we had the the foreman at the new arkham tower going crazy batman mm-hmm. steps in then the, the the last part so he's here at the start of this one um yeah. and uh basically just takes the guy down and makes sure he can't hurt anyone uh and goes snooping around the rest of the tower and finds like like a gas trap uh, that's mm-hmm. like you know, like crane toxin almost. Um, it goes looking. He ends up having like a weird flashback where he sees his parents and he's seeing like the the Joker talk to him in a cell. 
Yeah, Martha opening up that door as she says go to bed was so creepy. Like, that was such an effective moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's interesting stuff. It really sort of... Mm-hmm. It's, it just shows you that his mental state is deteriorating uh, in mm-hmm. the scene. Um, but then there's this old guy who's like, this tower's unnatural, it needs to be taken down, and this is sort of Batman's coming out of it, and yeah. you know the, the rain's pouring. So there's a, lot, there's a lot of... I think what I really liked about that first part, and it's, it's true again here, is that there's so much atmosphere... Mm-hmm. And everything it's doing, it really feels like he's out in that like a stormy night up in this like construction tower, and he's chasing this guy up the tower. And the end of the this part of it is that Harley Quinn is uh, sitting in the crane, uh, you know, operating booth, and is like, yeah. So, so she's here to also help take down the tower or something. It's it's not entirely clear at this point, but yeah, I love that she's like uh, you probably thinking that I'm not here. But yeah, that's the beauty of this is you don't know if I am or not. So let's take out this tower. Um, so I do kind of like that. So even if it is part of the toxin, right? And it's not actually Harley. Mm. This is how Bruce thinks of her, right? Like, is she here? Is she not here? <laughs> um, it's a fun, fun little piece. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty, it, pretty good. Does the old guy see her, or is the old guy also just any set? Like, right? I don't know. I, I would be willing to bet the old guy is there just because of what we've what we're establishing in the story about mm. Arkham being cursed, right? Just the whole name and whatnot. Um, and also the fact that this was Hugo Strange's uh, building beforehand, you know, might lend something into that. I'm not sure what exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's Obviously, pretty, pretty decent. I mean, this is setting stuff up for future detective stuff. So, you mm-hmm. know, that's cool. A uh, lot of atmosphere, which is nice. Uh, and the art is pretty good. Not as good as the main story. But yeah, uh, more, definitely enjoying it, so it's nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you giving the, the two stories? Um, so I'll, I'll give it a solid eight across the board. Yeah, well, I guess I kind of agree with that. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I like the fail point that he had that the the, the Cano and Batman sort of get to in this, and it doesn't. I mean, I, I definitely think this is one of the weaker arcs of the of uh, mm-hmm. Tamaki's run, but uh, like. For for a crossover, it actually has a nice little point to end on. It still feels super relevant for where this where, where her own story is going with uh, the city and Batman and the yeah. Bat family. So that's nice. I feel like the bile stuff really ramped up, and then this feels like the epilogue towards it. Because how many issues was this? Two or three? Three. Of yeah. The, yeah. The vile larva, you know, trying to escape and come back. So it does feel like a nice little epilogue on that on that main story. Yeah. So that's cool. Uh, yeah. All right. The Flash 776, Jeremy Adams writing with Fernando Pissarin on the art. So I read this, of course, and um, I, I guess the first thing, uh, I'll, just to sort of remind everyone where we were last time, we had Eclipso show up out of the, the, the magic spear thing from space, and then when Flash was getting his ass kicked, Fate showed up, Dr. Fate showed up and pulled him uh, into a portal. So that's where we start off at the start of this issue. And basically, that this is a really meta issue where Doctor Fate very quickly. It's the second page, so the second page, or the end of the first page. Doctor Fate's talking to Wally, and they're they're in like what is it? We're in a two dimensional causeway. That's what he calls it. They're in a two dimensional causeway, and Doctor Fate says it's going to be up to you to get us through. And Wally's like, "Me how?" And he's like, "No, not you, Flash." And you turn to page two, and Dr. Fate is coming through the panel and says, you, the reader of this book. 
uh, or fate lies in your hands. So this is a meta book where Doctor Fate is constantly talking to the reader and asking them to like do things to help figure stuff out uh, and guide them through this this interdimensional pathway. Um, Wally freaks out when Fate shows him that there's a reader <laughs> of a comic book <laughs> looking at him. Uh, it's all very weird and meta. There's like monsters that chase them. And it starts getting into some weird stuff, one of which I'm going to complain about uh-oh. As, a, as a digital reader. Uh, so, basically, they're getting swarmed by monsters, and Dr. Fate says, Reader, you need to help us. Um, you know, it's up to you. Uh, turn the book counterclockwise, and then you turn the, the page, and if you flip it, like, it's, it's almost like you've, like, tipped the page so that all the monsters fall down this big crevice. Uh, the, the way this page is written is a little bit weird, though, in that the text is still in the right sort of way up right so you can read it properly which is good but you kind of have to start reading it sort of low down and sort of go up to the right and i don't know if that was super clear when i first started reading that because it's got panels at the top and it kind of made me feel like i should be reading that across and then going down to that bottom big chunk and that's not how it's meant to be read at all um this one works okay though this is this is clearly a two-page layout that's vertical so you know if you're reading a physical book you'd have it flipped uh, Mm -hmm. and that's fine um the problem I had, though, is that, so then more, like, baddies come after them, and they're asking for, for help, and Wally yells something, tilt it clockwise, or, or whatever. Um, it does the same trick again, and they end up falling through a giant hole into a big pool of water. Because uh, you, you basically, by flipping the book, you're messing with gravity. Think of, like, Inception, when the, the, the van's turning mm-hmm. and it's flipping the, the world. You're basically doing that as the reader. The one that bugged me, though, is that when they're in the water and things are going bad, Wally shouts out, you know, turn the book upside down. Is that the book actually does flip upside down, including the text. And admittedly, part of this is that, like, my fire Kindle, my Kindle fire, like... <laughs> he had to lock the screen? Oh, no, I tried to lock the screen, and it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. So there is legitimately two pages of this book where I never read the dialogue because I couldn't. <laughs> it was upside oh, down. That's frustrating. No matter what I did. And part of it may be a device like hiccup rather than the book's fault, but I th- they really have to consider when they do these gimmicky things where they want people to turn the books around, like think of the digital reading experience and accept the fact that you just, it's not going to work. So just have it be the right way because it's annoying, right? It's just annoying. Don't do it. Um, the first couple of times were fine because it still worked. Mm-hmm. And the, the the idea of it's fine, and the idea that there's some sort of big sea monster in the water, and they would flip it upside down so the the water all pours away, and it's just the monster, and it gives them a chance to they fight back or whatever. Like, uh, and then there's a, a thing where Fate pulls out a book and says, "It's these three sacred symbols, but we don't know what order to press them in." Reader, you must go back through the book and find out the order, and then press them in the correct order. Uh, and I was like, I'm not going to do that, but cute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very cute. And sure enough, that takes them to the, the next thing. So the, the last page of the book is they're in Gem World with the Justice League Dark. They're all there. Uh, not Wonder Woman, obviously, but the rest of the team. And, oh, no Man Bat either, actually, now that I think about it. But Etrigan's there, you know, Detective Chimp, Zatanna, Constantine. Um... And they're like, oh, we've made it to Gem World, but then they're like, sorry, uh, Eclipse was already won, and that's where we end the issue. Uh, 
honestly, this is easily my least favorite issue of the Flash of this run, and I'm not going to be too harsh on it because I I, I kind of get that we're going for this kind of fun, wacky, gimmicky read. But ultimately, this trip with Doctor Fate is all just one big gimmick, and there's not really much of a story advancement. Like he literally could have just teleported them straight to Gem World, and we could have started the issue with th- this page. <laughs> and it wouldn't have felt like the story was missing anything so i appreciate the effort but this felt like a completely skippable pointless issue uh and i've been enjoying the run and i'm still excited for more of the run because i actually been kind of digging what this book's been doing with wally but uh yeah this was just a gimmicky thing so i can't they are, they are, sounds, uh, sounds like it i mean like they are, when you had dr strange Doctor Strange, Doctor Fate, uh, addressing <laughs> the uh, the readers. It, that's a fine line to toe, right? Like, yeah, yeah. W- wasn't feeling it. Wasn't feeling it. And I, you know, I uh, the art's really good. I, I, I've been enjoying um, uh, Pissarin's art on this book. I, I think it's really bold. It's, it's got a nice, strong, thick line work. It 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 feels just the right amount of cartoony for for Flash. I think and the, the big monster the big sea monster and stuff does look good like it, these things do look right. good but uh, ultimately it's just a bit of a gimmick of an issue so it's, it's kind of a shame i i kind of have to give it like a five um so sadly it's a bit of a blip uh i don't foresee this being like a unless like every issue for the next arc is going to be like a gimmick you know like every issue's got a different gimmick then it may become a problem but if this is just like a one-off thing before we get to the next proper part of the story then you know, I'll live with it, but mm-hmm. you know, you've been warned, creative team. You've been warned. Yes. Okay, checkmate issue six. Brian Michael oh, Bendis and Alex Maleve. Take it away, Matt. One one hundred percent. I have to be honest that I read this as I was falling asleep, <laughs> and I don't remember much of it because <laughs> it did not stick with me. Um. But this is the final issue. I'm going to pull it up here and, and kind of go through it. But where we last left the the checkmate, they were in the um, they're in the basement of the Hall of Justice, and um, um, Leviathan was making their move, and Talia turns on the team. So she fights Manhunter um, and gives her a run for her money before um, the rest of the, the rest of checkmate help uh manhunter out but uh talia gets taken away before uh they can actually defeat her um and uh the uh mark shaw is facing off against uh demon demon rose and lois when superman comes up because uh lois uh says you know she whispers smallville um and the demon rose, her brother, shoots um, shoots at Mark Shaw. He gets injured and gets uh, and he gets teleported away, uh, where he's bleeding pretty bad. But you know he's trying to convert. Shaw's still trying to convert Lois and her brother. He's like, you don't understand. I'm trying to save the world. Um, but Superman comes in and. Um, basically pulls Lois away and you see Shaw teleports that he, his tech is kind of failing him. 
and Leviathan flips on him. So, um, basically, they, they let him die of his wounds as his tech is going haywire. Uh, and then Checkmate decides that now they have to deal with with uh, Talia reforming Leviathan in the way that it was before, because whatever Shaw was going to do wasn't going to work by those methods. Um, and it still feels like they have moles. So Superman goes up to the Leviathan base that has now been, you know, basically abandoned by Talia and them. And basically only the Metropolis Guardian is was the one that still believed in Shaw and he's holding Shaw's body. Um, and Superman or not Superman, uh, as Superman's talking to him, um, where he tells him, let me get him some help. Um, the uh, shit, what's his name? Uh, man, the, the colonel, it's uh, Trevor. See Trevor, <laughs> basically running everything over. That Mark Shaw's dead, Markovia's mm-hmm. fallen, everything's secure, or so they think. Um, but like, uh, Leviathan is evolving fast, and that checkmate, in order to be, in order to, to counter this, they need to basically be what checkmate was before, which is on the outset of the government. It's like they're not run by the government. They need to be a checkmate on them. So Waller shows up, of course, and says that, um, that that she knows who King is, Mr. King. And are you ready for this? Right? My original theory was that it was, you know, Brian of Markovia, Geo Force, wanting to get some, you know, wanting to get Markovia back under his control. And it's not. Waller reveals that King is Commandy. <laughs> From the future. Coming to stop whatever mm-hmm. Leviathan had done. So out of nowhere, Bendis has decided that we're going to do time travel stuff and that Commandy, for whatever reason, has left as he's a grown, you know, and that he's come back. And I'm wondering if this ties into the Legion of Superheroes stuff, that we're going to get some timey-wimey. And again, there's just another chapter in Bendis's, you know, his ultimate story, I guess, and that, um, you know, Waller is like, you saw some outlandish stuff in your time. So bad it made you drag your old ass back here. Uh, one last to do one last thing to save the world. And, uh, you know, that now Checkmate's going to directly answer to the Justice League. Uh, and that's good because Arrow's kind of running all of this. And that Lois is no longer part of Checkmate. She has to be on the outside. Um and then it cuts over to Talia and she's addressing the new Leviathan and that, you know, we're going to get back to what we were doing because Shaw's weakness is that he was too soft. And then if, if Shaw was too soft, what is Talia going to reform them? So now that's what Checkmate's worried about. And that she takes them up to what looks like Nanda Parbat, um, but it could be another city up in the Himalayas and that she's going to introduce all the people to the Lazarus pits. Um, and and yeah, and then it ends with with Superman wondering why Lois's brother looks just like their son, and that's weird. Um, and he flies off, leaving Lois to look uh, at at him, uh, or leaves with Lois uh, with Leonardo uh, Lane looking at them at the Hall of Justice. 
Overall, I just wonder what the point of this whole thing was, because it was, you know, Bendis built up Leviathan as his ultimate threat with Mark Shaw, only to throw him to the side, and sure. now to do whatever, and, you know, it kind of just reset, like, he built up Leviathan just to reset them to be Talia's agency. What got, and I'm, what got me is I was sort of half listening to what you were saying there, Yeah, is that you started talking about Leviathan, and it yep. just sort of felt weird, I was like, Weren't we done with Leviathan, like, a year ago? <laughs> we were. And that's when this book was supposed to come out, and I don't know yeah, if the true. art got behind. The art is the strongest thing. I just, I'm not digging Bendis' spy stuff, I guess. Like, sure, it might be a little bit closer to actual spy things, but the checkmate I'm familiar with is, like, superhero spy agency with Rucka playing kind of with world government stuff, and I just feel like, this version of Checkmate is this group of heroes that have ties to intelligence and whatnot. And there's just, it's just, they're just kind of there. And I don't, I don't get what the point of bringing back Checkmate was if we're not kind of, you know, even playing with that. Like, so we have Bones, who ran the DEO, who would be an ultimate fit to work with Waller, right? And they have that structure, it would seem, as Checkmate did. Um, but this is just kind of like a series that had no purpose. Um, besides introducing Leonardo Lane, who's now showing up in Justice League. And I still don't understand what the whole Snowman's Ticket thing is. I'm sure there's going to be more revealed. I did catch up on Justice League, and somebody stole the Fortress of Solitude right from underneath Superman. That kind of ties into what they were trying to do here in Leviathan. But it just feels like them being out of sync is messing with the overall story. You know, if this had come out before the Justice League had started and we'd gotten to know, like, we had this whole mystery of the whole point of Los's brother and then got to, you know, fully introduce him in the pages of Justice League, I don't know if it would have landed better, but it certainly didn't in this direction. Um, and just kind of sad because I was so excited for Bendis to do things. And now it just kind of feels he's not, you know, like in baseball, it's like he doesn't have his, his fastball anymore. And it's just kind of sad to see him struggling, I feel, uh, to tell these coherent stories where I just feel like Bendis, from what I've read in the past, is he's a lot better at it. So I, I just don't know. Um, I'm going to give this a 6.5. And that's, that's mostly for the art. I'm thankful that it's over. <laughs> like, you know, like I got to this book and went, oh, I have to recheck mate. <laughs> and it wasn't even that I couldn't finish. Like, I had to finish it. It was issue six. So that's always the same. See if you buy a bunch of books, you know, you get a pile yeah. of books for your week, and if there's a book or two that you're looking at and going, Oh god, I need to read this now, stop reading it. <laughs> like you're, yeah. you're, you're done. Like mm -hmm. it's you know, I think it's a harsh lesson. Everyone who gets into reading comics on a monthly yeah. basis uh, falls into. But right. uh hey ho, hey ho. Uh all right, Robin issue eight, Joshua Williamson writing with Gleb Melnikov on the art. Uh, we have the the big fight between Damien and Connor Hawk. Uh, so th this is mostly a fight. This was a very quick read. Uh, mm -hmm. It has to be said. Uh, we have the the Lazarus Pit. You know, for the first time, things are well. I don't know if it's the first time. I'm sure people will find yeah. examples, but at least they yeah. say it's the first time that something's coming out of it rather than being put in it. And right. uh, that's kind of what we're building up to, and it's basically feeding off the deaths of that are happening. Mm -hmm. You know, during the tournament. Mm -hmm. uh, 
But we go up and it's kind of like everyone's sort of like, wait, why did why why are Damien and Connor just staring at each other? Like they're not actually fighting yet. Uh, yeah. So they're waiting for the the first move. Like they're trying to suss each other out. Yep. Who's going to move first, and what sort of tactical advantage can they get from that? Uh, so they fight, and there's pages and pages of them fighting. Uh, there's reactions, there's a lot of speed lines, uh, it's very fast moving, it flows very well, uh, which mm-hmm. is, is good, because if it is going to be mostly one big fight scene, it should. Um, you know, Damien at one point jumps off another guy, in the, <laughs> like a, you know, a, a competitor who's not in the fight. Have uh, you ever seen that gif of Seth Rollins doing that back on the indies? Oh yeah, he jumps off the big fat guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it reminded me of that, where you know he's just part of the fight now. Um, yeah. I did like seeing all the characters around them kind of rooting and you get like there was a this is awesome which made me think of wrestling with a this is awesome chant mm-hmm. um, which I wonder if Williamson it wouldn't surprise me if you find out that Williamson's a wrestling fan just because this seems so much like a wrestling story that's been booked you know down mm-hmm. down to the final two competitors at the tournament and uh, yeah it's just it's a whole lot of fun stuff and, and it, it, um, it gets to the point where Damien like he's definitely going to lose, and Rose and the others are like, "No, he's like Damien is losing this fight." And yep. Connor actually says to Damien, "Like, why are you putting up a fight still? You've only had one death. You you can die in this fight, and you'll be fine. So, mm-hmm. you know, why are you putting yourself through this extra punishment?" Um, and Damien, as expected, does not back down, and Connor very kind of easily just snaps his neck. And that that whole sequence there with the hand movements mm-hmm. and that. Connor Hawk is so calm and collected and he's just like, I don't want to do this, but you're forcing me. And I think it came up really well in the art. Cause I don't think there's even a lot of dialogue there. No, no. Right? It's a and lot of the motion. It does this great thing. Cause when they first start fighting or when they're staring at each other, you see like drawings of like a Hawk and a Robin, and a Robin. in the background. When Damien's neck gets snapped, there's like a, like a dying Robin like behind them in the art. It's just yep. a really nice touch. Uh, and this, you know, the rumble starts, the earthquake starts, the, the last, and basically no one's getting allowed to leave. Like, you know, yep. uh, she, you know, mother, whatever her name is, what's her name? Lazarus. Her. Is, that, right? is, that, is it just mother Lazarus? I, I believe so, but it is Damien's great grandmother at this point. Oh yeah, we know uh, that, but like, I'm just, no, I know. Yeah. I think it was right. Madam, mother, Ma- Madam Lazarus. Hey, Madam, Madam. No, it is mother. I know. I'm. I'm gonna look. You. You keep talking. Is it not mother soul or something like that? Ah, oh, there you go. I knew it was something like that. Yeah. Soul. Yeah. I realize this didn't sound right. No, <laughs> but because they, when when Connor wins, she announces that the the League of Lazarus and the League of Shadows are going to be joining. Yes. Once the, again, they have yeah. made a, an alliance uh, to spite Ra's al Ghul. They're yep. burning all the boats so no one can leave, and. Uh, it's all this, but you know, the end of the issue is that Damien is gets up and is like, "Nope, the tournament's not over until I say it's over. I'm mm-hmm. at full strength now. I've been completely healed because I've been resurrected." Um, but Connor Hawk says, "But no, you idiot! Like, I'm here because I'm the one who can stop the demon. Because that's what's coming out of the pit. It's the demon." Yeah. On, on so that's how the that's how they achieve immortality. Is the winner gets possessed by the demon of the Lazarus pit. Um. So it's kind of a no-win scenario. Yes, but right? unfortunately, right after he says that, the final page of the issue is the demon ramming his hand through the chest of Connor Hawk, mm-hmm. uh, presumably killing him. Although Connor Hawk only thinks he only died 
once or twice. So right, uh, this is not his, his yeah. final death because that's what they keep saying is you get three. Yeah. Right. So I, I think he's still good to come back. Uh, so the demon looks like a big Hulk-looking dude, but he's got like a an evil like mask on, one of those kind of like cult like satanic things with yep. horns. You know, like a ram horns, but with you know like mm-hmm. a Shao Kahn from Mortal Kombat style uh, face. Yep. Uh, is the best way I can describe it. Uh, so, you know, so the idea that Connor Hawk had like a sort of noble intention, even if he's in over his head, uh, yep. and you know what, if it's going to take the whole team of kids to band together to fight on, fight the demon and win, that's kind of a nice story. If that's where we're going it with is. this, yeah. So. Well, and it, and it feels like that Rose and Flatline both have already made that decision, mm-hmm. and we'll see if they can gen up everybody else that's on that island. Because you got to remember, you have all the best fighters minus Cassandra Kane. Um, yes, on this island, I have to admit every, every single time they say like everyone here is like the best fighters on the planet, I'm like, ah, Cassandra Kane's not here though. So, <laughs> so in, in my head though, it, that was Mother Soul not wanting to deal with the spawn of Kane, right, and and just deal with that whole headache. So she didn't get an invite or whatever, you know, um, and and yeah, because Shiva's not there either, right? Like I feel like they deliberately went after certain people that I feel like they could manipulate. And you can't do that with Shiva. I don't think anything would make me mark out more if they got to the finals of this tournament and Mm -hmm. Damien says, you know what, I have to admit, I'm not going to win this. But you're wrong. Not all the best fighters in the world are here. And then he introduces Cassandra and she just beats the piss out of whoever's left. Whether it be Connor Hawk or whoever, I don't care. It's it's one of those, you know, two, two move fights. Yes. You know, just boom, boom. And she, you know, who's next, you know? Just, uh, it, it's perfect. It would be, it would be perfect. Yeah. I, I get why it's not happening, but it would be yeah. perfect. So, uh, yeah. No, I mean this progresses nicely. I, I think they they treat this fight between these two as the two best fighters. Uh, yep. Right. It feels like the big the big fight. The action is nice and fun and easy to flow. I like the reactions of Rose and the others, kind of getting worried and you know rooting a little bit, but being concerned. Connor trying to talk Damien down, and then ultimately sort of the, the main point which is no Connor was going to try and take on the demon uh, but maybe he's in over his head and it's going to take yeah. them all to well, band together and I like that with Damien the reason that he's taking all this punishment he's like I gotta see if the darkness wins right so he still has that guilt from mm. Alfred but he also has that guilt of being half Al Ghul and half Wayne and so he wants to see if pushed to his limit what side wins and I really like that as a as a plot point for Damien at this point Plus, because uh, and narratively yeah. as well, it's just as simple that now Damien and most of the kids uh, are on their last death. So now, now yeah. the stakes are real. Now, now the deaths right. actually matter. So mm-hmm. that's really smart. Yep. So yeah, yeah, good issue. Uh, what are you uh, what are you giving it, Matt? I- I'm giving this one a nine. I, this is like I think Ooh. this is my favorite book being put out right now. Oh, Matt's got a new uh, little little mistress mm-hmm. uh, with staples. Yeah. yeah. Um. I'm not going to size it. I I think it's really good though. I'm going to go with a solid eight. Uh, but I'm having a lot of fun with it. So it's, it's an easy read. Every issue is such an easy read. Yep. Uh, so uh, that's Robin issue eight. Catwoman thirty seven Ram V and I've not written down artists because there was like three or four. There's of them. three of them. Yeah. But uh, right off the gate, I'll say that they balance the art duties well. It never is distracting. So I know I, I know Braga's one of them. Yeah, I, I wasn't super distracted. I, I will admit it didn't bother me too much, but uh, yeah, it, it was notably multiple hours. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so this is basically Catwoman and Cole. They're trying to save Valley Town. They're trying to get Ivy out of Valley Town. So it's obviously set before last week's Batman issue, which makes sense. Um, and it all all builds up to the the big long con here, which is we know that Riddler and Penguin were were plotting something against Catwoman, and the whole plotting is that while they're fighting this, you know, uh, villain lady that clones herself or whatever. Now there's two yeah. of them. Um, everyone's working together try to get cat or try to get ivy sorry out on this truck and riddler has actually got it rigged so that there's people with guns as the penguins waiting for them and they try and steal ivy and kidnap her and riddler basically goes to confess this to to catwoman to rub it in her face and be like you stole from me and penguin so we are getting you back and catwoman just smiles and says you know what Every long con, you have to have a mark who like believes in like what you know like is too, too stubborn and too, uh, like you know. So and Eddie, it was you guys. Yeah. So yeah. and of course we know Clayface is on her little team, and we've not really seen him for no. you know this issue or last issue. So sure enough, the Ivy they've actually got is Clayface. So Clayface hawks out and starts beating the shit out of everyone next to Penguin fantastic it's a wonderful little moment it really is satisfying uh really good stuff whereas ivy still stay in the same hiding place and then yep. i've then harley and the gardener go back to get her which makes sense because yep. they, they take her to batman and co yep uh next well not batman himself but you know what i mean batman no but... they they take her down to queen ivy and yeah you know she reunites with herself and becomes the ivy that we all know and love yeah well i know and love so neat stuff uh Ghostmaker sort of comes in to help with the fight <laughs> Uh, wah, wah. yeah. Obviously, Ghostmaker we don't love as a character, but it's fine. Like yeah. he's an established person helping the Bat Family right now, so whatever. No, I know, but it was just it was treated as this like hooray, the Calvary's here. <laughs> and I'm just kind of like, oh, let's go, let's go, Maker. Come on. Uh, did you notice when it went into sort of the epilogue mode when Selena's kind mm-hmm. of like talking about stuff? Did you mm-hmm. notice there was a street sign that said it was John Paul Leon Street? I, I did, yeah. and usually I'd be like, okay, that's too clumsy. However. With this, it's a nice tribute, I feel. Uh, especially knowing he was supposed to do that issue of that cat, right? Yeah. I feel and whatnot. So. I, I feel like normally you want those references and homages to sound natural. Mm-hmm. This one I don't think sounds natural, but I think that's okay because in this case this person just died and it's I think this one's meant to stick out. I think this one's meant yeah. to like grab your attention and go, This is not a, a normal sounding street name. It's meant mm-hmm. to be like, no, we're just we're, we're given this tribute to this this artist um so i i, I thought it was sweet uh yep. but you know selena basically says like i, I can leave Allyton now i've built up the the kids i've built up uh my allies i i can ho- you know i hope that me and bruce get back together someday and i hope you know all this it kind of ends in this really positive spot and it's the idea that you know the, the book so much of it is talking about how selena's alone but she's not alone and the final panel because because keep in mind this is the last issue of ram v's run Yep. The final panel is like, you know, these like this team of villains that were helping her, the kids, shoes, uh, Clayface. You know, it's our little team. And it's like, no, no, she's built a community in Alleytown. So Whatever Yeah, the- it's it's her own little section. I like I like that. And I like that, you know, um other writers can pick this up now. Like if you want to go yeah. to Alleytown, you have Leo, you have Treasure Cat now. Um even even the detective version of of Clayface, I'd love to see him pop up. You know, it, his, it's his... almost a shame though that it is ending uh, Ram V's run because I kind of want to see him play with some of these things that he sells yeah. with more. Uh, mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, we'll, we'll see what the next run does with any of this stuff, if anything. You know, it will be kind of sad if we read the next issue and it feels like it's kind of reset things and it's just more of a loner again, or yeah. if it's kind of ignoring a lot of stuff. It, that will feel quite sad and might be a bit of a turn-off, but, you know, yeah. uh, th- this was a nice end. I mean, I, I, I do kind of wish that the, the run didn't end with the three-issue tie-in to Fear State, but yeah. at least this issue in particular ends in a really nice you know, beat that feels like it is sort of saying, hey, this is all the things that Selena has built over the course of this run. And mm-hmm. these these friendships, this community, that's a nice sentiment to end on. So I, I, I ain't too mad. It, so. Oh, cool. yeah. I, I like that. That last panel is really kind of perfect. Like, it's almost like their curtain call. You know? Uh, yeah. So, and it works. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, and I guess we're saving the shoes and Cheshire Cat uh like meeting and reunion and yeah. realization for later somewhere mm-hmm. i i said this and we'll, we'll get there when we get to to vampires but um i'm loving that the arrow section of dc it's kind of been put away for a while but i feel like there are these like important supporting characters that are popping up right like you have you have ollie in in uh justice league and checkmate you have canary and deathstroke inc right now you have Cheshire in shoes in Catwoman. You have Connor Hawk in, in Robin. And they all feel ultimately important to those stories. And even though there's no, you know, Green Arrow, uh, Black Canary book going on, I do like that there seems to be a spotlight on that section. So if we can just keep that up, I'll be happy. Sure. Um, what are you giving Catwoman? Uh, I'm giving this 8.5. Probably not straight for me. Uh, you know the the tie-in elements of it. Uh, do feel a little, you know it feels like a tie-in, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but I do like the long con payoff and the that ending was, and the yeah. sort of the, just the summary of what the run has been. You know, mm-hmm. I like all that stuff quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and uh, yeah, I do wish it was one artist rather than yeah. you know three. But mm-hmm. hey, it is what it is. So cool. Task Force Z issue two. Matthew Rosenberg writing with Eddie Barrows on the art. Uh, so last issue they went in to try and stop Mr. Freeze uh, with the Lazarus pills and it ended with like Jason being stuck in ice and I think it was zombie Arkham Knight who was crawling towards him like oh it's time for a munch Uh, it does quickly resolve that uh, it has to Uh be said you know it it gets past that fairly quickly Um, Bloom does appear to have abandoned Jason but he's actually just stopping Freeze and he comes back uh, what did he do to freeze though? Because it, he he ran those Lazarus pills down his throat, and, and freeze is gone. Like I mean, we see a lot of Lazarus pills in the air. I I, I don't yeah. know if he rammed them into his face or if he just like. I I don't know what he did to him, but yeah. I like the idea of Bloom being this monster that can become unchained and then to hide goes back into himself. And I almost feel like Bloom's the actual villain of this story. Oh, it may uh, end and, up being, yeah. I can right, see that. and we'll, we'll get there. Like, this is just unleashing his monster. Um, but I just, I love that whole, I love how this feels like a B-horror movie at times. Like, that that scene with uh, Arkham Knight coming after a frozen Jason. Like, that that's straight out of a, a out of a silly zombie movie. Yeah, he basically um, electrocutes her for a bit, but then when Bloom mm-hmm. comes back in, he pulls... Pull- he pours out some of the pills, which attracts mm-hmm. her away, and yep. like, she eats those instead. Uh, so, there you go. Um, 
One of the things we find out in this, actually, when they get back mm-hmm. to base, it, it, it keeps this running joke going where the, the lady who runs this place keeps, yep. like, bumping into Jason when he comes out of the shower. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things we learn is that they actually have to intentionally watch the dosage of Lazarus resin because mm-hmm. if they give them too much, they'll just be alive again, and they don't want that. They want zombies mm-hmm. <laughs> that will follow their orders. Right. And and we found out, too, that um, as long as most of the brain's intact, they can just regrow the body. Yes, which is resin. which is actually kind of traditional zombie rules in a way, because, yeah. you know, you gotta shoot them in the head. That's the, that's right. the rule. Right. Because at one point, uh, when they're yelling at Jason over the comm, they said, you know, do what you have to to Arkham Knight, but keep her head intact. Mm. And that was the first one. You're like, oh, okay. Uh, and then we see them regrowing Bane and Manbat, and that comes out, and you're like, oh, okay, well that that's interesting. I mean, that fills in with the you know, with the Lazarus Pit. We've seen like kind of body parts just go in and then come back out, uh, fully grown people. So yeah, it's fun stuff. But then he runs into Arkham Knight, and she's actually pretty much human and alive, mm-hmm. and basically to like fix her they, they pumped her so much that she's actually kind of normal again for a bit uh and she says it'll wear off but for now she's actually yep. kinda, and it's it actually kind of feels that they're not i won't say flirting but it does feel like there's a bit of a spark there's a connection there yeah and and i'm wondering if that's intentional because wasn't isn't jason the arkham knight in the video game he is actually yes yeah so i'm <laughs> wondering if that's a little meta commentary from rosenberg that he's like oh hey look he's flirting with the arkham knight um, but I do like that because it does feel real, right? It's like this is Astrid Arkham, you know. Uh, she has this mm. whole legacy that she's trying to get away from. Jason has a legacy that he's trying to get away from. So of course they're kind of kindred spirits. So I do like that. Yeah. Uh, so they've got another mission to go out to, and the was it Miss Hobart is coming with them, and it turns out that she actually has uh. <laughs> Another side to her, shall we say. <laughs> She's a shadow demon. That When the lights go out, the demon comes out. And I'm like, okay, this book. Connor not liking this book is prime Connor. Where you're just like, just have fun, man. Like, I don't know how long this is going to last, but I'm having so much fun. Like, it's not the best book, but I am entertained. Yeah, uh, a lot of fighting with, uh, is this, uh, was it the Cobra Cult that are they're fighting? Mm-hmm and uh you know there's a lot of chaos like there's a big hole in the floor at one point that bane falls into uh you know t- just you know a lot of stuff but eventually uh when the lights go out like you said uh the, the woman like turns into like a i don't know a devil monster <laughs> she, she's kind of yeah, terrifying why, that's why i said a, a shadow demon yeah um and yeah, she gets all kind of weird and creepy. Like even her lettering goes turns into like sort of like monstrous text, you know, like the hello, like yeah, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but they turn the light back on, she turns back into normal. But they're there to actually find their new member, their new team member. Um, and the big like surprise at the end is that it's actually Deadshot, uh, who shoots <laughs> who shoots Jason in the back when he gets up out of his box. I love that that in his most primal zombie form, Deadshot still shoots first and asks questions later. Oh, dear. Yeah, maybe telling Jason that who they were looking for was already yeah. a zombie might have helped. Like, yeah, you know, Because right? I think, you know, he's... I mean, okay, I suppose maybe he should have assumed it was another zombie given what the team is, mm-hmm. but still, maybe say, hey, it's, you know, it's, it's a very dangerous person who's now a zombie, I, maybe. I want to know what Cobra was going to do with Deadshot. Oh. Right? Like, it was this is 
is this whole zombie thing part of the Cobra cult and their dark magic? Is this just the Lazarus resin? Is it a combination? Like, what were they planning on doing with Deadshot? That, that's what I want to know. Because they did have him in a coffin, just sort of yeah. sat, as they were doing some sort of, like, at least ritual. a sp- speech, if not a ritual, yeah. Yeah, which, which you know, Cobra, if you've read comics for as long as I have, Cobra are the ultimate guys for you to send your team to just to beat up. Yes. You know, because the, the Cobra cult leader's going to monologue. Yeah, um, and then occasionally they'll, they'll send uh, some yeah. fighters out to beat up Daniel yeah. LaRusso. Yeah, yeah, they will. And they'll, you know, they'll all sweep the leg. That was a Karate Kid reference for anyone uh, who didn't get it. The The villain dojo is called Cobra Kai. It was a very specific reference, but uh, roll with it. <laughs> <laughs> no mercy! <laughs> uh yeah i mean i mean as far as like i mean i had fun with the book again like it's not a must read but it's it went in quick i had some fun and chuckles at the various moments uh bloom honestly is kind of entertaining in this so far and uh i dare i say i kind of like the the chemistry between jason and arkham knight so mm-hmm. you know uh and i'm curious to see what they do with deadshot so I think Connor is being overly harsh on this book, but yeah, not bad. Yeah. As long as it stays entertaining at this level, I'll yeah. be happy. Uh, it's a very low stakes book too, because like you can throw Bane down this hole and you just know like, oh, zombie Bane will be back. Yeah, yeah. And then, then on top of it, you have the whole Lazarus uh, resin kill switch that if they want to bring man batter Bane back, it's just like, oh, they overdosed and you know, now, now they're back. You know, they, they got the dosage wrong or whatever. So I do like that. I don't know if that's editorial. I don't know if that's Rosenberg, but um, it has a nice little backdoor if you want to bring characters back. Yeah, yeah. And for some of them who are kind of turned to, like, you know, Man Bat, for example, who was kind of mm-hmm. redeemed by the time he died. Like, yeah. you know, may, maybe there'll be a conscious choice to, like, give him more mm-hmm. to wake him up right. by someone, you know? right. Well, now that uh, uh, Jason has 100% more holes in his body, <laughs> I wonder if he's going to get the <laughs> the Lazarus resin treatment and seeing how that affects. We'll get like a like a first-person view through that. But yeah, man, Rosenberg, like I had a friend that was big on Rosenberg when he was over at Marvel and his independent stuff, and I, I get it now. Um, like it's not setting anything on fire, but he is consistently good. Like I've been entertained more than not. Uh, so just... Uh, as long as it keeps this level, I'll be happy. Yeah, yeah. What are you giving it? Uh, I'm gonna give this an eight. Yeah, I'll tell anybody always highs that, but I think it's a solid seven. Like I'm having fun. That's a good book. Yeah. So uh, I'm also a sucker for Eddie Barrow's art. So mm-hmm. and yeah, the zombies look sufficiently creepy. That scene where Bane and Man Bat are on the table, and it just looks like a mad science experiment. I thought it looked really good. It does make me a little nostalgic for uh, that early Detective Comics run and Rebirth. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. That's why, that's why I think of and I think Eddie Barrows more than anything. Yeah. So, nah, cool. That is a Task Force Z issue two. Deathstroke Inc. issue three. Joshua Williamson writing with Howard Porter on the R. We, we, mm-hmm. what's your thoughts, Matt? You read this. Yeah. So, uh, I thought we were going to get, like, from the way that it ended last time, uh, uh, Cheetah has this, this kingdom called Cheetera. Uh, and I was like, oh, we're going to get Black Canary and Deathstroke going into there. This opens up with, turns out that the Queen of Fables, who, are you familiar with the Queen of Fables? Uh, no. <laughs> She's just meta that, so I became familiar with her through the um, Harley Quinn cartoon. Um, but basically she's this meta that can turn stories into real life. And 
here in, in Deathstroke Inc., she's basically she has a side business where if you need to, you know, if you're a supervillain and you need to get away and kind of recharge for a price, she'll create a story for you to go live in. And that's what she's done for Cheetah. So this whole land of Chitera is a story of her own where Barbara Ann goes in there and she's a princess and she assumes the kingdom. Um, and by finding Queen of Fables and looking for Chitara, uh, Black Canary is like, well, I'll take in Queen of Fables, Deathstroke, you head in and take on Cheetah. And so we get, uh, when, when Deathstroke enters this Queen of Fables story, he automatically becomes a knight. Uh, he's missing his guns. He has a gigantic sword and a suit of armor that matches his suit. And he decides he's going to go in. Um, and as he goes in, he runs into this, you know, all of these cat people that make up Chitera. And they start offering him side quests to go do things like in a video game. And, he, you know, the mercenary part of him is like, I kind of want to go do these, but I'm, I'm here on a mission. I got to go first. And he he learns like this this kingdom isn't just Cheetah's story is that they talk about when he's like, well, where is she? I'm going to go kill her or I'm going to go bring her in. Half of the people are like, yeah, no, she she abuses us and she takes advantage. And she was once a, a you know, a, a fair queen. And now she's she's become, you know, an evil queen. So part of them wants to help him. But as he goes into the castle, he he storms it takes out all hundred of the, you know, the people and ends up apprehending Barbara Ann. Um, while he's doing that in Chitera, Black Canary and Toy Man go back to trust and realize that things aren't exactly what they seem. And that the whole reason that Toy Man's working with them is to have the, um, have bat, the stolen bat tech. And that's kind of how they buy him off because he first, at first agrees with, canary like there's something more going on and they start talking about her mom and that you know her mom was kind of similar to her is like yeah she was with the jsa but she had her own stuff and you see this painting of her mom with a bunch of other heroes in the trust headquarters but what sets dinah off that something's not right is that the paint's still fresh so it's as if they're creating this narrative and the the leader of trust comes up and tells toy man's like hey you need to stop digging or else we're gonna pull your your batman toy access and he's like oh okay i i forgot um canary trails the 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 head of trust and she has a libra suit and libra was this character that was brought in around i want to say final crisis that's all about balance and the leader of trust is like yeah we're gonna bring balance to the multiverse um, and, you know, uh, Canary is on the phone with Babs and Dick about all of this because she's undercover there to find out about the the Batman, um, about the stolen Batman tech. And that, you know, they wonder if Deathstroke, what he knows, if he's just going along with it, if he's just being a dirty mercenary. And as Canary's talking to them, Deathstroke appears over her shoulder and looks like he's ready to strike. And that's where it, it ends. Um, really fun series. Uh, Williamson's just, you can tell, having a ball with everything that he's doing here. It seems like this might be playing a, li a little bit more into his overall story with Justice Incarnate, just because of with this whole balancing the multiverse and whatnot with the threads and what Deathstroke knows. And if this Deathstroke, because as far as we know, Deathstroke's still in Chitera, 
when um when when this ends and so uh what what he does here uh towards the end like is this him is this someone else um but uh dick or or it's bab says that she's gonna have to take deathstroke down if they can't trust him and and yeah it's just the art is great the all of the all the stuff in chitara looks fantastic with the fantasy aspect uh at at one point um deathstroke rides a unicorn um which is which is weird because he he basically manifests it so it's kind of like well what the hell is going on with slade there it manifests via a rainbow um and the whole book opens on what looks like an old style storybook which kind of recaps Ch uh, cheetah's origin which of course if you want a good telling you go to wonder woman issue eight from from rebirth um but <laughs> but yeah no i just I, I really enjoy this book um so yeah so uh, i'm gonna give this an eight okay okay uh, DC versus Vampires issue two. James Titan the fourth and Matthew Rosenberg rating with Otto Schmidt on the art. So, what's interesting about this book is that we we just set up the fact that Batman got some information at the end of last issue. You know, last issue was Andrew Bennett. It was him telling his story with the twist of Hal Jordan already being a vampire. So this issue it was like, okay, here's what the book's actually going to kind of be like as we go forward, because Batman calls in the Bat family to a meeting, right? At least most of them. And, I mean, there's a scene at the start as well with uh, uh, yeah. Anton Arcane getting killed by Hal Jordan. <laughs> but, I, you know. I do love that it's very much the Arcane from from uh, early Swamp Thing. Yeah. And he's monologuing. It's like, who's ever there? Just know it, it, Hal takes him out without any issue. Yeah. It's fantastic. But we cut to the mansion and, you know, Dick's showing up and Barbara's kind of like, sunbathing but in her i mean she's not really I mean, she's just kind of going yeah. for a nap i think but she, she's just lying out in the deck chair and there's a bit of banter and you know damien's there tim's there cass is there in her back girl outfit and uh alfred's alive so that's kind of it, it goes back to what i was saying last issue how you had the wonder twins in the hall of justice it, it's kind of mm -hmm. like oh it's kind of loosely based on recent continuity but not ex you know just a little off kind of like the best of continuity yeah right whatever whatever works which i in a book like this i am more than like, same with yeah. like deceased well, what, it's whatever you need it to be yeah one of the things that i like about this though is that batman brings up the mad monk which is a story i'm sure there was maybe other versions of it but the, the main the version i know of it which was the uh the mad monk was the sequel to batman the monster men it was the the what's his name matt something uh, matt wagner uh, uh, wagner yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was like, oh, here's a couple of like early Batman stories post year one. Like that was the idea of those stories, and it was yeah, Batman encountered a vampire basically, right? And he even he says here that you know this Mad Monk was his first encounter with the supernatural. So I kind of like the idea that they're pulling on this and saying, okay, this is almost like what if the ultimate downfall of the DCU was vampires? So we're going to actually try and tie in things from DC's history to like sort of you know set up their their understanding of vampires in the context. Um, so they're like they're all getting cups of tea or, or whatever. And what I kind of dug about this uh, is it's actually a little bit later, but there's there's a moment later on where uh, Damien spits out. Uh, it's, it's it's hot cocoa he's got because he didn't want tea and marshmallows. Yeah, and he spits it out, 
And he, he's like, did you poison our drinks, father? And he's like, no, I just made it with holy water to check you weren't vampires. And then Damien's like, Alfred, may I have more cocoa? Mine spilled. <laughs> yeah, the mine spilled broke me. Like, I was like, ah, oh, man, this is such spot-on writing for, Yeah, th- 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 this was good Damien writing this issue. Yep. Uh, obviously, it does intersect, though, with some other scenes. Uh, there's a scene where there's a bunch of B-list villains hanging around talking about what's going How on. How dare you call Brick B-list, sir? <laughs> Did you just hear the sentence you said? You're right. How that's dare I? Sea like... list. Sea list. Yeah. You're, yeah, yeah. you're quite hey, right. Also, Cheshire is there too. She's. I think she's a little bit more than B list. <laughs> yeah. I'll be honest. There's the dude here that just looks like knockoff Lex Luthor, and it wasn't yeah, until but... someone said his name that I went, "Oh, that okay. That's who it is." Every man is knockoff Lex Luthor, if I remember right. Okay. That was right. in in fifty two where he's handing out. Superpowers. Okay. Um, okay. And yeah, so I thought this was Gizmo from the Fatal Five, and then I realized this is not the Fatal Five. <laughs> like, because you have yeah. the big strong dude, you have the redhead girl, you know, you got the bald guy, and I was like, oh, and then I realized, oh no, that's Brick, and uh, I don't know who the the girl with red hair is. Um, nah, but, but they're talking yeah. about you know the villains going missing in the past couple yeah. of weeks. And Green Arrow steps out of the show. Because I thought this was going to be another Green Lantern comes out and kills them all kind of scene. Yeah. But Green Arrow steps mm-hmm. out and says he's not there to fight him. Uh, but he does say that one of the, one of them's a vampire. Uh, and it turns out to be Everyman. And we get a cool action scene as he lunges at Oliver and he fires an arrow and it dusts him. Not unlike the hit television show Buff of the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> he dusts midair and it's a really cool little sequence. Uh, so, it can, you know, I, I think we said last issue that Gre- Green Arrow being a vampire feels like a red herring, right? Yep. It feels like, no, Hal was the vampire, Oliver's going to turn out to be someone who's already kind of hunting things and tracking things yeah, down. Yeah, I, I like, though, that the narrative point is we're going to have a showdown between Green Arrow and Green Lantern, the hard-traveling heroes who are mm. always opposites. And yeah, even yeah. here, it's the vampire hunter and the vampire and oh man really good stuff yeah and there was some fun uh you know debating between the bat characters here where they're talking about well if these vampires are real if there is this stuff going on because mm-hmm. they're a little bit skeptical you know still but like well if this was going to happen taking out the villains first would make more sense because they hide a lot of the time anyway so we wouldn't notice oh. until it was perhaps too late so there's a, there's a bit of back and forth and uh mm-hmm. there was like okay well who else would they target like and Batman says, well, it's not just who would they kill, but who would they turn? Like, who would they turn into a vampire? So it's like, right. well, they'd probably want to kill the magic users and the telepaths because they could expose them. Uh, mm-hmm. But who would they want to, like, turn? And, you know, so there's, there's, there's some interesting debating going on. It's like, who would they infiltrate hero-wise first? And they say, well, Titans, Outsiders, Birds of Prey, like, the Justice League would be too hard, right? Batman says that. It would be too hard for them to infiltrate the Justice League. And, of course, he's a fool. <laughs> yep. Because that's who they got to first, right? Yeah. Is, it's, it's out. And then, uh, yeah, but I, I do like this, that page where you have, you know, Damien with what looks like the Titans and they're taking out something. And then you have the outsiders and the birds. Um, uh, so, yeah, it's just a, it's a real fun page. It's Otto Schmidt being able to flex his, his art muscles. And it's a nice transition as well because it ends in Justice mm-hmm. League and then that actually leads yep. into a scene at the Hall of Justice where jaina is actually worried because if you recall last issue her brother was put in a blender 
<laughs> yeah, he really took the form of water to a new new level. He was put in a uh, blender and drank like a smoothie yeah, uh, by yeah. Hal. So uh, worth man. And you'll notice here that Hal like, offers to like take her somewhere. I'm like, oh god, he's going to murder her too. <laughs> yeah, which but she, you know, she stands up for herself. But I do like the booster gold because it's very on brand. Where you know she's like, I can't feel him anymore. And Booster's like, yeah, maybe he need a break from, you know, being felt by his sister. Uh, and I do love that the entire Just League looks at him like, bro, that's insensitive. Yeah. He's like, what? So, like, they spent so much time together. Am I the only one that thinks it's weird? I can't be. Like, again, voice for Booster is very spot on. Yeah. And then we get to the part where Batman has tested them all with holy water in their drinks yep. to make sure that they're they're all still human. Uh, yep. with my, But they, I mean, that Coco, like, the way he throws it into the plant, and then immediately well, ask for more. It's just wonderful. Yeah, I also like that when you know this and you think back, like uh, Alfred trying to, you know, telling uh, Barbara because she's complaining about being tired. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, uh, Miss Gordon, you just just have some tea. It'll pack a punch. Yeah, he knows what you he's know? doing. Yeah. Uh, Batman makes him all hold a cross as well, just to really be sure, because, you know, he's Batman. Uh, but he's like, hey, so here's all the sort of your, your, your vampire slayer weapons. And I do like that Dick sort of brings up, like, wait, so we're killing now? And Batman's yeah. like, well, they're vampires. They're already dead. It's not killing. I I feel like that's an asterisk. You know? Like, still, like, if you can... If there's a, a cure for vampirism, right? Like, I mean, that's a big... I mean, this is the thing, though, right? You know, obviously, I like to reference Buffy a lot when vampires yeah. come up. But that's the logic in that show, too, is that vampires are undead, so it's not murder, right? Whereas murdering right. a human being is a big deal. Like, that's something right. you don't cross right. the line do. But, but I do love that he's like, you can't kill them, they're already dead. And then cut to Damien with the <laughs> He's like, yes. So cool. He's, he's like, green light, baby. <laughs> green light. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm on. Uh, so I, I dig all this gearing up. I dig the planning. Uh, I like Alfred intentionally taking a sip of the tea. Just like, you know, I, I trust that was an oversight in your part. And Bruce responds with, no, I had the boiler, uh, you know, like blessed, blessed. Yeah. so so you had a bath last night and if you were a vampire you would have just burned to death <laughs> uh, you know but so like after seeing what we have with green lantern i'm a little bit untrusting on some of these things and i think that's the great uh thing that both uh Tynan and rosenberg are doing well here is there is a sense of paranoia right mm-hmm. like i double check everybody but then i would think like well Cass, right she wears that full suit uh, we didn't see her take a drink of something, but then we see her holding the cross. Uh, yeah, I, I presume that it didn't yeah. show you in panel, but she did take a sip uh, yeah, with everyone like, else. Yeah, Right, but there's that sense of paranoia that it could be any of them. And well, you know, they, and even... they pulled that great trick last issue where Hal yeah. was out of the sunlight, but it's only because yep. his Green Lantern like right. you know bubble could protect them. So right, like so you know all that stuff's fun. The final scene of the issue though is a really sad scene where Hal's invited Barry out for a chat on some you know beach somewhere. Beach. And is like, hey, you know, we've been friends for a long time, and if I, you know, I was ever going to, do, if I was ever going to do anything important or big, I'd want you to be a part of it because you're my best friend, uh, Barry. And but unfortunately, you know, I argue, I, I argued for you, but the others, my master, because he references his master a couple of times, so there's clearly like a, you know, a main mm-hmm. vampire baddie. But right. uh, he's like, my master says no because of your hunger, you would actually just kill everyone too quickly. Like you, you would. You would drink the world dry, so unfortunately you can't be turned. And he smushes uh, Barry's neck. He he kills yeah. him. He kills the Flash. 
And he says, I'm so sorry, Barry. I wanted to conquer the world with you. And he's crying blood uh, yeah. as he says that. So this is like a really sad thing where he still obviously has some of the connections that he had as a human, but mm-hmm. obviously he's evil now. Um, so we have killed Barry Allen off in issue two of this. That's, that's where we're at with this. Yep. Which I was wondering how that was going to work because once we got to Ollie and we know he's one of the Slayers now, um, I was wondering how they're going to play off with, with Flash. Because if someone's going to notice Hal not acting like it, Hal, you know, it's going to be Barry. It's very notable that so far the humans that are in on it are just humans. Like, And Batman mm-hmm. even says, like, they're going to go after the metahumans because they're the ones who are going to be strong enough to fight them. So right. it's interesting that the Bat family and Green Arrow so far are the ones that are kind of picking up this fight. Right, so. right. Well, and I, and I wonder how something like Vamp- vampirism would affect Superman, right? Because he gets his powers yeah. from the sun. Can it even, and, if, you know, would their teeth go in? Like, I, I don't Right, know. because what you talk about with magic is that it's not that Superman's vulnerable to magic. It's He's as vulnerable as everybody else is. Um, so you got to wonder what kind of magic's at play with the vampires. But again, would the vampire, let's call it virus, even take hold in his system because of the sunlight? You know, he's like a, a living solar battery. Um, so that that's an interesting yeah. part, or, part, part of me thinks he would just blow up or even with wonder woman the whole you know would she be able to be capable of deception being that she's kind of the embodiment of truth you know, i feel would, like would she I, I feel like she would have to conveniently stop touching the lasso like yeah yeah you because she can't lie you know yeah. what i mean stuff like that so there's a lot at play here when it comes to the justice league hey and, that may that may be how they find out but how what, what if you know i mean i don't want to you know bad movie yeah. and all that but what if we get like a he sits on the lasso without realizing kind of moment yeah. and that's how that he reveals what he is now kind of it, i don't know there's, there's, there's a bad a... Movie moment, but that's like one of the best moments in that bad movie so <laughs> you know take that what you will so yeah no this is a lot of fun it's playing with things yep. uh you know I, I i'm definitely not mad the idea of dick babs and castle being prominent characters and yeah. damien's writing in this is very good Hal's been a really good villain, actually, so far. Yeah. Uh, I feel so. like a segment of the comic fandom would, you know, they believed he's a villain for so long. So this is just them, uh, you know. Plus, you know, yeah. the, uh, the, uh, the 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 staking with the arrow, like midair, yeah. was really cool. So. Yeah, so cool. Yeah, Schmidt, Schmidt kind of is the perfect artist for this. Uh, so. Yeah, he, Joey is, is. I don't know if he ever did an American vampire, but he does a very similar thing with the faces. That with, the American with, uh, yeah. Did. yeah, it's Albuquerque esque. Yeah, um, where they they go from regular to monstrous real easy through his art. Oh, that's very good. And again, just to compare it to the hit television show, but for the vampires mm-hmm. there, you know that way their face would change. You know, they'd be normal yep. humans, but then it would morph into the vampire face. Like you kind of oh. feel like it's doing that on the panel, which is really nice. Yeah. So, uh, no, cool. Uh, what are you giving DC versus Vampires issue two? Eight point five. I am going to concur with the 8.5. So, nice stuff. Uh, which will take me on to a Patreon book. So every month on patreon.com slash TV, uh, our patrons, uh, one of the higher tiers, will get to make myself or Connor read a book. And I am reading, uh, or working through American Vampire, and I have done since the start, and this particular issue is American Vampire Survival of the Fittest, issue 4. We ended last issue with the scientist, uh, the doctor, taking Cash and Felicia down into the the, 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 the caverns where the ancient vampires were sleeping, uh, and he wants to wake them up. 
So this issue starts off with a, a, a extended flashback. It's basically the Doctor, uh, was it Pavel, um, telling the story of how he came to understand these beings and what these statues are. And he tells a story about how he got, he got drafted to go to the Museum of, uh, you know, Natural History or whatever the, the exact title is, uh, in London. And he, like, is brought in and he doesn't understand why he's there. And he sees this giant, you know, Egyptian statue, you know, just, just like Anubis or whatever. But it's a vampire, right? And it's the idea is, is that they've found a new god, right? A god that Egypt was scared of and it intentionally buried this, like, tomb and, like, statue over in a really desolate place where it was never really meant to be found. Uh, this idea that vampires got all the way back to ancient Egypt. So a lot of good mythology kind of implied just by this thing existing and him sort of analysing it. But it turns out it's not really a statue. The, the, the sunlight that hits its shoulder kind of makes like a, a sort of mould, like instantly, like every day. And it's like, oh no, it's, it's like it's reacting to the sunlight, you know, like a vampire, right? Uh, so really, really interesting stuff. And when he gives his findings, uh, mysteriously the next day it's been torn down and taken away. And clearly some vampires have come in and taken it. So for whatever reason, all the vampires that are actually in existence don't like these ancient vampires. They want to kill them. They want to stop them from coming back. And um, that kind of sets up uh, what he's going to come up with in the story, which is, like, they do get a vial later on uh, from the other undercover agent that we encounter, but, like, this seems to be what he thinks is the cure. Like, he's not really necessarily made a cure that will fix a human who's been bit by a vampire. What he sees as the cure is that these ancient, you know, monstrous-sized vampires will go around and murder all the vampires, and that's the cure. They will kill them all, and therefore, bing, you know, bing, bam, boom, no more vampires. That That's his logic. But he sounds kind of crazy. Uh, they're not ready to kind of accept this, and they fight a little bit. And unfortunately for them, the Nazis show up behind them, and it's like, ah, here you are. And they name them as well, so they clearly have been onto them for a little bit. And... They knock them out, and they wake up in a cell, and, and Cash tries to say, like, his goodbyes. He says, like, you know, I hope we make it out of this, but the odds aren't good. So, you know, I want to say a few things. And there was a couple of interesting, you know, she doesn't let him say goodbye. But when he starts talking about the cure, and he tries to tell her that the vampire part of her doesn't make her evil. And she's like, yeah, but you want to fix your son? He's like, well, yeah, because my son's a child and he's paused in time in this state. He can never grow. He can never be smart. He can never experience things. Uh, if my son was like you, he just had vampire blood in him, I would be the proudest father. It's actually a really sweet moment. It's like, it's, it's not the idea that there's any vampire in him at all. It's just, it's what he literally is. It's just right. this little monster who can't evolve and grow and, right. you know. It's just Gus. Have a life, you know? Uh, so... <clears throat> You know, it's just really, it's actually a really good character beat. Uh, and in comes the Nazis, uh, they've beat up the Doctor a little bit, they've brought in a few of the vampire squad who are going to feed on them now, uh, but then the big twist is that one of the lead Nazis here grabs the solar gun that was introduced last issue and kills the vampires and un unchains our main characters. And it turns out that he's actually the undercover agent who sent out that the, the cure was here in the first place, he rips off his swastika and he's like, let's get out of here now. And he actually doesn't go with them. He ends up sacrificing himself so they can leave. But he does give them a veil implying that there is some kind of cure or at least some chemical to test, whatever it may be. And 
he actually fires a solar gun uh, at something in the room that like triggers like a big explosion and kills a bunch of vampires. And they're trying to escape on a motorbike, our Felicia and and Book. Uh, sorry, Felicia Book and Cash, I should say. <laughs> and the Nazi's like, ah, oh, these Americans, they're actually a little bit better than we thought, but not that much better. Let's uh let's go kill them. And just as they're about to go after them, there's a rumble. There's a rumble underneath. And the final page is that the at least some of the, the giant monster vampires, the ancient vampires, have awoken and they're coming so i mean if nothing else we're looking forward to some great carnage and the well i think it's the final issue of this this uh mini series unless it's six issues but i thought it was only five uh i could be wrong though i'll find <laughs> i'll find out when i get to the end of the next one uh but really strong stuff i think this issue it's a little lopsided and that the first like third of it is a little bit slower because it's a very very dense flashback with a lot of narration from the doctor but the mythology that it sets up is super interesting and the idea that there was secret like a like they thought they knew all the egyptian gods but there's actually the secret vampire one like that's super interesting that's a cool bit of mythology to drop in there and then once it gets to the rest of the book though you actually have this really great character payoff and this growing relationship that's forming romantic or otherwise between book and cash and I, I think that moment plays so true and the way he kind of defines that there's nothing wrong with her and that she just shouldn't really care about a cure for herself uh, you know like his son needs it she doesn't really um at least not necessarily i mean it's her choice obviously if it exists it exists she can take it but uh it, it comes off as a really genuine sweet scene that pays off on the thing and the ending's just exciting like the idea of like we're adding more lore to this we're adding like okay there's ancient vampires now who modern vampires are scared of like they're they're trying to kill them while they sleep because they're scared of having to fight them um now admittedly it does raise the question though okay these big ancient vampires okay they're going to kill the vampires potentially but what that, that doesn't mean they like humans it doesn't mean that once they've killed all the vampires they're going to turn around and go okay it's buffet time <laughs> <laughs> like you know it, so there's definitely an unknown element there there's a, a, a danger an intrigue but also a bit of fun of like okay the, some of the va- the nazi vampires are going to get some comeuppance and there's no part of that that's not fun so obviously the art's very good uh um full of shadows full of all the things um I will say that the color palette and the flashback is is suitably warmer. It's got that kind of you know glow to it to make it feel a bit older because I think it's like nineteen fifteen or something like that they say. So it's like before or during World War One uh, time. So uh, good stuff. Um, yeah, not not surprised. Another strong issue. Uh, Eight point five, quite comfortably, I would say. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's American Vampire: Survival of the Fist issue four. So nice. Uh, but that'll take us out the part of the show where we pick our favourite stuff of the week favourite panel slash moment favourite cover favourite art and of course rank our top five books of the week uh, so uh, Matt what you got for a panel slash moment um I'm gonna go from Robin and it's that page of Connor Hawk um deflecting all of Damien's stuff but it's all done through you know it's pretty dialogueless and you can kind of see the emotion 
Yeah, I think I'm going to go for DC versus Vampires. Mm-hmm. It's tempting to go with the Coco because it is so good uh, as far it as is. Damien rating goes. But I, I think I'm going to go with the Oliver Dustin the Vampire with the arrow as it's jumping towards him. It's a good one. It's just it's such a good sequence. It, it, yep. It's kind of the fun you hope to get from this. You know, someone says, oh, we're going to do DC Universe with vampires. Uh, like It's kind of the sort of moment you're, you're hoping for. Mm-hmm. So it's living up to its potential so far, which is great. Uh, best cover of the week. Uh, I had a couple picked out. Obviously, there's a... There's a... What do you call them? Uh, Behermo cover for yeah, Detective, which is very nice. Um, but I will say that there's two variants for vampires, and for once, like the Matina one's very good, mm-hmm. but I actually kind of like the Supergirl one uh, by Warren Lowe. Um, it's got a little bit of that digital art style that I don't always like, but I think the kind of like the the mistress vampire look they're going for with her actually looks kind of cool. It's just a fun, mm-hmm. like, cover that... I mean, Supergirl might appear in this series, she might not, but it's a, it's just like a fun poster, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's kind of cool. I saw that and went, you know what, that's kind of neat. So I'm, I'm going to pick I figured, that. I saw that one, I figured that's what you would go for. That's something different. What you got? Yeah. Uh, I got the Frisian variant for Catwoman, for the obvious reasons. It, it's yes. Ivy. I, I... Mm-hmm. If, if there's a Poison Ivy OnlyFans page, I'm sure Matt will have signed up uh, by now. What do you mean if? There definitely is. <laughs> there's, prob- <laughs> there's probably like 10 cosplay accounts that, that specialize yeah. in Poison Ivy. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, all right, what you uh, got for art? Best art of the week. So so this one's kind of tough because it's a pretty solid week because I, I did like the art in Robin. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, the best thing about Checkmate is... The art, um, Deathstrokes by Howard Porter is pretty good, but I am going to give it to Schmidt for Vampires. It's it is heads and above, uh, head head and shoulders above. Yeah, yeah, I'm probably giving it to Schmidt as well. Although I think shout out to Dan Mora yeah. on on Detective for me. It, it's it's kind of I think this this describes this week in general for me, not just the art, but it's kind of like a really solid, dependable week, but not a standout week. And I think that's kind of how I feel overall about the week, uh, both in terms of art and just in terms of overall quality. But uh, yeah, I'll also go with Schmidt for for vampires. Uh, sorry, so top five, Matt, go. All right, so number one is Robin. Two is Vampires. Three is uh, Deathstroke Inc. Four <laughs> is Tech. And five is... I'll give it Catwoman over Task Force Z. Cool. Uh, my number one is DC versus Vampires. My number two is uh, probably Detective Comics. My number three is Robin. My number four is Catwoman. And my number five is um, Task Force Z, I guess. Yeah, just leaving Catwoman off because... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, actually, also leaving... No, not leaving Catwoman off, leaving Flash off, sorry. There you go. Because uh, it, was, it was a weak issue. So, um, But yeah, there you go. So, not, like, solid enough week. Like, not, not a week that I'm mad that I read comics, but definitely not a week that was like, oh my god, there's like three like super standout books this week that I need to rave about. Uh, although DC vs. Vampire, I, I think, is a strong enough number one, though. So, yeah. there you go. I will tell you what's coming next week.
from Detective Comics Comics. Uh, wait. Okay, yeah, that's weird. That's, it's a weird. <laughs> it's a weird. Uh, yeah, this is weird. So the books are actually coming out on the first of December, but it's kind of like a fifth week. Kind of. Yeah. yeah which, they're not. Um, there are going to be things that I don't get to because um, there's there's a lot of of annuals. Yeah, uh, I I left uh, Animal Man for next week. I might be regretting that after I read this list of books. Uh, so we got Batman twenty twenty one annual issue one. Uh, but this is actually the Ghostmaker conclusion, so this is actually an easy skip for us. So that's yep, nice. I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad about that. Yeah, uh, Detective Comics twenty twenty one annual. That's a lead into the big story coming up. So that's a definite yep. read. That's a must read mm-hmm. that one. Uh, Nightwing twenty twenty one annual. Uh, which you know if it's it, Taylor. It's Taylor. So I'm reading that. There's no yep. doubt. Uh, Action Comics 1037, which was pushed from this week, so, yeah, right. obvious. Can't skip that. Yeah, Wonder Woman 2021 annual. Uh, that's a maybe, because I am reading the book again, so I'll, I'll have to read what the annual Yeah, and is. it seems like it has some big, you know, ramifications, so it feels mm. like it's not not exactly a chapter, the next chapter, but it will fill in yeah. some things. Uh, the Joker 2021 annual. That's a lot of annuals. This, this uh, Robin, yeah. Robin 2021 annual. Can't skip that though, because it's one of my new favorite characters in Flatline. That's her origin. <laughs> oh, so, is it a Flatline issue? Okay. It is. Neat, neat. Uh, Batman Detective issue six. Oh yes, yeah, I feel like issue six got delayed a bit because it did. I think it had to do with printing. Yeah, but there's a bigger gap for that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justice League Dark twenty twenty one annual issue one. You can skip. I cannot. Yeah, I can skip that one. Wonder Girl issue five. Uh, Batman Fear State Omega issue one. This is basically the finale to Titans yep. Batman, so that's a must read. Uh, Teen Titans Academy issue 8. Uh, maybe Connor will read that for us. Uh, mm-hmm. Human Target issue 2. Oh, baby, that is a must read. <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that is probably the most interesting conversation we're going to have next week. Uh, Just League Incarnate issue 1. <laughs> Gotta get that. That's, that's kind of me. That's kind of a misread. Uh, Wonder Woman Historia, the Amazons issue 1. Do you know what? Sadly, that might be a skip just because of how busy the week is, even though yep, obviously I, it's interesting. I think this is the Kelly Sue book and I really want to read it, yep. but it's a busy week and I don't have the time. Yep, it's... Oh, man. It's Jimenez and Kelly Sue. And it's a it's a big uh, issue as well. It's, it's massive. It's 72 pages. Yeah, it's not so. short. So I think that's going to get skipped just because of circumstance, which is a shame. Yep. But... Uh, and then there's Gotham City Villains Anniversary Giant Issue 1, which is such an easy skip, especially given how busy the week ended up being. That said, I might stay in my shop and read There's a Poison Ivy story. I don't know who's writing it. Oh, sure, yeah. But I might just uh, read through it there. There's a great Margaret Savage Ivy cover that looks like it's done in, in pencil, like uh, colored pencil. Very soft palette. It looks great. So, Yeah. Um, heavy, heavy week. It's um, a, very, you know, it a heavy week. I, I have like nine books and like half of them are annuals. So yeah, yeah. Fun, fun week, fun week next week. So this was a bit of a shorter episode, but don't worry. Yep. We had a long one last week and we'll make up for it next week with another long one. So, uh, you know, I love is the short tip. Oh, that said though, we did record a nearly 40 minute segment <laughs> for, uh, David's show, the not so, the, the not so new 52, which you can find on our YouTube page. Uh, or on uh, the audio feed for the not the not so new fifty two, uh, the episode that's coming out this coming Tuesday has a forty minute segment. It may be edited down a little bit because I know he's going to tinker with it. But uh, so you can hear me and Matt talk about the new fifty two a little bit on that if you want to get more of us this week. But lo- lo- love how we said it was be fifteen to twenty and it being double that. So it did. But you know what? 
it's because we had things to say and this True. this ended up being like a shorter than regular episode anyway so it ultimately didn't really affect our recording day that much so hey ho that has been the show i will take this time to thank our patreon producers for the uh the month so thank you very much to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Born Now, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Stanley. Uh, they are all our Patreon producers for the month, so thank you once again to them. You can support us on patreon.com slash TV for as little as $1 per month and get some bonuses for your trouble. Uh, notably, at the $5 tier, you get early access to the show by a day. Whenever it's ready on the Saturday, you'll get it straight away. Uh, usually like pretty late UK time, but if, you, if you're in like an earlier time zone, it'll be there sometime. Uh, but the, the way to look at it is that it's there for you as soon as you wake up on Sunday. That's that's the mm-hmm. way to look at it, uh, as opposed to sometimes Sunday night, like as for everyone else. So, uh, but you can check us out on Patreon. You can of course support us by hitting the like button, subscribing, dinging the bell for notifications. Those things help out a lot in YouTube. And then of course the audio version, give us a five star rating and review on iTunes or Podcast Addict or wherever you listen to this from. Uh, all of it does help. So, thank you very much. Uh, uh, but that is us. That is us. So thank you very much once again for watching. Oh, actually, a new thing we're doing on on Patreon actually is um this is not a big difference, but if you do get the audio file when it goes up early on Patreon, I'm starting I've started making that a little bit higher quality. Uh, mm. it's not a big deal, but the the bit rate uh, doubles from one two eight to two five six. So if you if you're someone who would like the extra bits. <laughs> You do get that the five dollar tier as well. Hear us talk trash about Connor at a higher quality. <laughs> yes, so do enjoy. Uh, but yes, that is us. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC comics, and remember to never get lost in the speed force.